Welcome to Evidence-Based Aesthetics, where science meets clinical skincare. Today's clinicians are bombarded with sales tactics and marketing hype aimed at selling a cosmetic product, device, or service, often with little to no scientific research to back it up. Master Aesthetician Instructor Kristen Group and Dr. Larry Group use peer-reviewed research to investigate and discuss the latest trends, equipment, procedures, and products in medical aesthetics, while poking fun at extravagant claims, as well as each other. Evidence-Based Aesthetics is produced monthly and is supplemented by a Facebook group and Instagram. Viewers and listeners are actively encouraged to submit questions and topics for discussion. And now your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. Well, hi, happy campers. This is Dr. Larry Group. I'm here with Chris Group. We want to thank everybody for hanging with us for uh, the Med Spa Madness series. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about laser education. We're going to start with talking about laser laws in the state of Arizona because they were kind of the first to do that. And then we're going to get into some general principles about it. But before we dive into that, we have an axe to grind. Chris is here to, to air her grievances. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the state of Arizona with education, the things that are frustrating you, and the fact that we just got to get this out and talk about it. Hi. How do you? <laughs> I, I am um, I'm, I'm very disappointed in some of uh, my fellow laser schools in this state. Now you're running a laser school now. You have Aesthetic Advisor Laser Academy. Yes. A small school, boutique sort of school. Yes. How is that different from, say, NLI, NALA, some of the big schools? What makes you different? Um, well, there's a few things. There's... There, Basically, it's what is being demanded of the student and also what is being demanded of the school. I've been teaching um, in this state since 2005. I probably have more hours than most people in education in this subject. And my opinion is it should be done a certain way. One is really heavy on the science during the theory portion because if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, quite frankly, you shouldn't be doing it. And then having the hands-on where you've got a variety of models coming in, lots of different body parts, and then you don't have a very high student-to-teacher ratio. What do you mean by that? Student-teacher ratio. So you got X amount of bodies in a room. you got one instructor. You used to work for the big one for yeah. seven years. You were their lead instructor, set yes. up the program. Towards the end, how many students did you have to just you in a room? Okay, so for the theory portion, it was 50 or 51 students for the didactic. That sounds like a lot, but I guess for a for classroom, assuming someone doesn't have a gazillion questions, it's not the end of the world in classroom, right? Well, it, it kind of is because people fall through the cracks that don't tend to speak up much in their life in general. So it gets dominated by... You know, two or three people. That ask all the questions. The, exactly. Yeah. And so the other people. I hate those people. <laughs> I used to be one of them. I sat in front and be like. Used to be. Up. Used to be. <laughs> <laughs> kind of still are. Um, you know, so, but then when you get to the hands-on portion, the biggest class that I had was 15 students. Now, 15 students in an eight-hour day, do the math on it. I mean, well, let's do the math on it. How many models come through? Well, we probably had Six to seven models tops. All right. So that means that there's six to seven <clears throat> models in a eight-hour period? Yes. So basically one model every hour and 15 minutes. Of course, there's lunch. So maybe one model an hour-ish? Yeah, it's about one an hour. And then you have 15 people yeah. that need to be putting their hands on the laser and firing it and doing that. Yes. In an environment like that, when there's 15 students to one instructor, how much actual hands-on time does each person get? A couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. So like total of the day, maybe they got, if there's 15 students and there was only six hours, 
if we did the math, maybe they got 15, 20 minutes total? Yep, maybe. Okay. And, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to start my own school. When did you start that? Uh, 2012. Okay, so it's been a while. So, yeah. And that's been, uh, you know, in contrast to the bigger schools, you've kept the classroom size small. Um, what's your biggest class you've had for the lecture part? 13. And what's the biggest part for one instructor to how many students? Six. Six. And it usually averages around three to four. Per instructor, so if, I, if, I have, no if I have eight six people, students yeah. per instructor, and then you get another instructor. Yes, if I've got eight people, I know that I'm running two clinical so four classes. And four. Yeah. And then how many you run eight hours a day still? Yes. And then how many models do you get in? Um, I'm usually getting, depending on the body part and depending on the procedure. If we're doing hair reduction, I'm either scheduling one every forty-five minutes to um, an hour, depending on the procedure. But if I've got an hour, I'm usually doing three different body parts on that particular model. So that would count as it's almost like three different people. But so like I, just the, like so, one person gets a knuckle, and another person gets the other knuckle. No, 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 I don't do that because you're not going to learn much. So, on, but uh, other schools do that though. Oh, right? absolutely. Then they count that as a body part. So you hit the you hit the trigger, if you will, one time, got the hair off their knuckle, and that counts as their treatment. And all they need is ten. Now they're done. Well, it's what an interesting thing is, yes, in the state of Texas, so you need a hundred treatments. And I had a student come to me from Texas for additional training. Okay. And I asked her, I was like, how long did it take you to get through your hundred treatments? Because I thought it was going to be probably a couple of weeks. And she told me one day and I couldn't figure out why it was one day. She goes, well, each knuckle is one body part. So each person, you're getting 10 body parts. So 10 people, 10 knuckles, you're done. It's ridiculous. It doesn't so teach you anything. anything. No. So, okay. You get a piece of paper at the end of it. But this doesn't sound like you have much of an extra crying yet. It's to have anything that's really shocking. What are you mad about? Okay, so this morning, a very good friend of mine who did not go to my laser school. How good um, a friend could she be? I know, right? I was pissed. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, it's because, <laughs> stupid reason. Um, she worked for me part-time for a while as, a, as an esthetician, and then she painted one of my rooms purple, and I don't like the color purple. Um, or the movie. No, I actually like the movie. I just don't like the color purple on my walls. Got and it. she thought I was mad. I at her and I wasn't mad at her I was mad at the color so she went to another school um, that I think has so much drama very, I know you there's so much drama reality TV show seriously no shit uh, no, so, so she calls or sends me a text this morning and tells me that um, she forgot well I told her okay so back up a little bit uh, the Arizona Department of Health Services now Which regulates used to be ARA can we talk about that very quickly yeah, so, what was ARA and what is ADHS okay so Arizona Radiation Regulatory Agency was the government entity that um, regulated non-ionizing radiation that sounds very confusing yes. what does that mean okay so our machines that we use in a med spa are considered non-ionizing radiation but there's also they cover x-ray which is ionizing like radiation yeah, well, how does it affect these people? So basically, they're the ones that control your guys' license. Yeah, a certificate. Certificate. Yes. Which allows you to, to practice allows in Allows us to state. practice in this state. And that was when they were ARA. And then they got reorganized under Governor Ducey and to become a slightly different name, which is the... Arizona Department of Health Services. And so they gave up the ionizing part back to ARA, and then they just kept the rules and regs for laser, cosmetic laser. Well, for a cosmetic laser operator. So they okay. they control part of it, and ARA controls a little piece of it. But like the schools, the um, students that are CLTs, it's all in the Department of Health Services so, now. Let me tell you, so, so backing up, medical directors, which are doctors um, and nurse practitioners, um, 
RNs and PAs, which are health professionals, and those who don't have that sort of licensure but have been licensed through the state um, are all hundred all, all regulated by this Arizona Department of Health yes. Services. Yes. Okay. Um, so we have to, as a laser operator, our certificates are valid for only one year. Um, so every year on the date that you were issued the certificate, not the date that you were born, which is like the Board of Cosmetology. Okay, so yeah, that's a good point. Like your, your renewal for your cosmetology or your aesthetics license is your birthday. Right. But it's confusing because this other license for lasers that you got from doing the 88-hour class is on the date that you were issued the license is when you submitted your paperwork and they granted your license, correct? Yeah, so okay. like my BOC license expires every or every two years, which is on May 2nd, which got is it. my birthday in case anybody wants to send me a present. Yeah, um, Gucci. <laughs> that works. Um, my laser certificate expires on September 30th. Because that's when you were granted your first certificate way back and before the Before the edge of time. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. seriously, my number is like, one of the lowest in the states. I know only one person that has a lower number. It's like a than negative me. number. It so almost low. is negative. I'm so freaking old. Um, so yeah. So it's up to the laser operator to get their certificate. Do they send renewals to you guys? Um, they do, but nobody really is looking at their mail. So it's up to the up to the technician to really pay yeah. attention to what's on their certificate. So what happened is this person My failed to renew their license, and and as we find out, if you're even late by a minute. What happens? Yeah, well, first, how she found out was, okay, on the Arizona Department of Health Services, you can now look at the status of somebody's license. Didn't it didn't used to be that way. No. You used to be able to like, look up a dentist. You can go into the dental board, type in the person's name, and their license will pop up. You didn't used to be able to do no. that with uh, certified laser technicians. No, you could with the Board of Cosmetology, but you couldn't with CLTs. With laser, but now you can, you're yes. saying. So you can actually, as if you're a patient out there... Or you're just a competitor, I guess. You could look up, you could yes. put in someone's name, and you could find out if they actually have a valid laser certificate from ADH. Yes. Okay. So so one night, I'm sitting at home. You're probably still working. And I've got my glass of wine, and I'm weird. I like to look and see who's it's got the certificate and who doesn't. And, you know, I look at my own name, and then I look at some of the people that I care about, and she is one of them, and it showed that her license or certificate was expired by two years. Um, and she wasn't using it, so it you know it didn't seem like a big deal to her. But she spent money getting it. So if you spend money getting some type of a certificate or a license, you should keep it up for thirty bucks a year. It's not that expensive. Well, plus if you change your mind, you, you want to be able to exactly. you know, you get a job or so. All of a sudden, you want someone that wants you wants you to do a procedure and you can't. I get it exactly. So I sent her a text that hey, you might not know this, but your certificate has expired. So she called. Um, you know, I told her I said basically I've had probably about five or six students of my own who had this happen to them, um, I gave them copies of their logs. I'm going to stop you on this thing. So what we're going to talk, what we're talking about here is that when they're in school, every one of those procedures that they do on the hands-on is in on a log. And then that log is turned in for credit for them to do their 10 procedures per modality. And theoretically, what should happen is the school would keep a copy of the log the student would keep a copy of the log, and then a copy would be sent to this ADHS. Yes. Okay. But you're saying now, what you're about to say is that somehow didn't happen or were questionable. Oh, I'm calling bullshit. So um, basically, she went, she went to this other school. She went to a, a, she did not go to my school. She called them up to get copies of her file, and what they told her is they sent the originals to 
Ara, when it was Ara, because it was a few years ago, and they didn't have a copy. And in order for them to get a copy for her, it would cost her $500, and they would get it in about a week. Um, and Okay, so you're saying that, so this gal calls up the school and says, hey, can I have my logs yes. in my file? And they said, hey, we sent the originals of your logs to Ara. But, it's, but now it's going to cost $500 for us to get those back. You're going to have to pay us for that. So then you decide to call up the ADHS yourself. Well, yeah. So and they also said that the entity that was ARA doesn't talk to the entity that is Arizona Department of Health Services. So there's no way that she can get these logs herself that the school is going to have to get them. And it will take a week and it's going to cost her 500 bucks. So you and need a priest to talk to God. Sort basically, of thing. One of those so intermediaries that you yeah. can't do yourself. So, so you decide to call up your friends absolutely, over Absolutely, because it, it was bullshit, and it was bullshit. And so I called them up, and what they told me, and then what they told my friend is one: I was not able to tell them to get my friend's information. The only person that could get my friend's file was my friend. Yeah, the person who has a license, the person they're going to release. Yes. It. They okay. said that the school could, but it would be a redacted file. So if the school could get the information, it might not be the information that she needed. But what would be weird is is that the, the school is asking for these logs. The logs at the schools that are, or I'm sorry, ADHS is going to get back to the school are redacted. So then they give it to her and then she turns around and gives it to ADHS, and they don't know what it is. Exactly. Wouldn't it have been easier for her to just have contacted ADHS herself directly? Well, that's what I told her to do. Exactly. So I told her to contact them. And there's no fee for that. Well, okay, it's 25 cents a page. Oh. So, so unless there's a gazillion pages, it's not going to be 500 bucks. No, and she's got her original um, certificate of completion. She just doesn't have the logs. How and many back, pages are logged? Well, now they're about 20 because um, we have to submit for each individual. So five bucks. Yes, but back then it was six. So $1.50. Wow. Instead yeah. of $500. So you basically the school is gouging this person and, 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 make, and the saying thing. they can't get it themselves and they have to go through them to get the $500. And that's what you're aggravated about well, no, besides the fact that they, she didn't learn much to begin with at that particular school well, because it's all here's sunshine the thing, and roses. Is I know damn well that they're sitting on that paperwork because one, when you talk to the AZDH or a ADZH, see. Arizona Department of Health Services, ADHS. There you go. When she talked to them, it was going to take two to four weeks to get this information because they have to go into storage. So you called up ADHS yourself and they said no such thing. All the all the licensee has to do is call up if they and they have the file. Assuming they have the record that they they were submitted, they would have that file and that would probably get copies of that. Why do they need to send here's what I didn't get about this is if they're contacting them to send it to them, why do they need to send them what they already have? If who's contacting them? If the licensee is calling the department to say, my license is expired, I need my logs, I'm, they're going to try to send it right back to themselves? That doesn't make sense. They're the ones that have the logs. Well, I know damn well the school has the logs. Because if it takes two to four weeks for the department to pull the logs, how is she going to produce them within a week? You know, that, that's the point. So, I, so what we're really talking about here is the nonsense things that some of these schools do to, to, gouge. to gouge you for no reason. Um, so that's made you want to come up with some different ideas for schools. That's how we got to this this podcast is you've been doing Aesthetic Advisor Laser Academy for a while. You've not We've not advertised. From my understanding, you haven't done much advertising. It takes a lot of time and effort. Um, you were telling me you were on a Facebook forum and that there was a program out there, which a local program that's doing a, how many hours? A hundred and... 
I think it's 160 or 180. For how much money? Uh, I think, I don't know because I didn't call the school myself, but I think it was around five grand. Let's say it's fun. So that's a lot of training for $5,000, right? Mm -hmm. That would be a good value. Mm -hmm. What's the issue though when you're looking at a training program? I mean, we've talked about this. Let's talk about it right now. So you want to go to laser school. You're right off the street. You used to be working, I don't know, a real estate agent. You got bored. You like skin. You want to do that. You go to you decide to look at a, at a laser school. What are your choices here in the state of Arizona? Your main, just general choices, what you can do. Well, you've got a lot of choices for schools. Right. I mean, you can go to... Well, break them down. Not necessarily name them by name, but what's the biggest one? Um, national. Okay. So then you go to national. What's the goods, the bads, the uglies of that? Um, now, you know, yes, you're a competitor, but you used to work there and, you know, it's pretty much that if you go on Yelp, you can pretty much read the same stuff over and over again. Go yourself. What's the issue there? Um, well, they, the, the good thing about it is they have more regularly scheduled classes. So, they, so if you want every to have month. a class, yeah, there's a class every month. Every month. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, they're in a couple of different states, which uh, is also good. Okay. So people, sometimes if you're on the East Coast, you can go to the one on the East Coast. You don't have to come to Arizona. Awesome. How about their machines? Good machines? Yeah, they've got good equipment. Okay, great. Um, How about instructors? Well, here's the thing. The clinical instructors that I used to work with, I thought were qualified. I don't have any views on their current ones, the things that I've heard, because I don't know them. Okay, yeah, so that's fair. Um, let's talk about class sizes. Well, if, when you when you look at the theory class size, it's going to be larger just because... Like what? Well, it could be anywhere from, you know, thirty to fifty something. What's their 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 didactic their classroom port program like? You've seen it. Yeah, I I think it's it, it lacks in science, and so the reason is because I was the person that's teaching it. So what do you mean by that? And <clears throat> well, why, how does that hurt? I mean, okay, so I'm I'm in real estate. Do I really need to know this science yes. stuff? Can I just get my certificate while no. and learn on the job? No, because that's what everybody's going to ask you. Chris. No. Why can't they just learn on the job? Here's one of the biggest things that that one of my biggest pet peeves is when I have people come to interview with me for a job and they've come out of that school and the first question I ask them is, "Was does the acronym LASER stand for?" and they can't tell me. Why does that matter? Because if you've got it in your hands, you should know what it stands for, and okay. you should know how to break down the letters and what each, what each letter stands for, and what does that relate to in the job that you're doing for that person. If people don't have enough pride in their But that's like a memorization craft, of a thing. It is a memorization, but here's the thing. It's a memorization. I tell people, it's like, if you want to go and get a piece of paper, not put a lot of effort into it, sit in the back of the room, not have anybody pay attention to you, I am not the school for you. Why? Because I want them engaged. I want them learning. The well, only way... What, again, I, 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 I'm playing devil's advocate here to, to try to get a sense of what makes it different. It's it's a fun biz. Why don't you just go hang out at, at the skin scene? Is that what it is? There's a party that... They, they, have, a, they have a party. Who, who's that? Um, National Laser has a party on Thursdays. I don't know how often it is a, a month. I don't pay attention to it, quite frankly, where everybody goes area. There's lots of food, lots of alcohol. Everybody talks about what a great school it is. The owner talks about what a great fun vibe and what a great biz. And in, in the end, I mean, you should not be making your choice of going to laser school while you're drinking. Well, I find yeah. a problem with that. But I mean, don't you want them to have a fun time? No. 
Evidence-Based Aesthetics is brought to you by Skin Stylus, providing state-of-the-art microsystems to clinicians at reasonable prices. Check out SkinStylus.com to see the latest in micro device technology that solves the cross-contamination issue without breaking the bank. Call Skin Stylus today at 480-369-6905. And now back to the show. You don't I, want them to have any fun. I don't want them no fun whatsoever. <laughs> I want them to freaking well, learn. What's the issue here? You're you besides doing the one of your many hats is you also are an expert witness witness in yeah, laser lots. I see so all the stupid. I see all the stupid shit people do with lasers, and it's usually a lack of training. Who gets who gets tagged on this? You've done you've done a lot of cases. Who gets tagged on this? Well, Does a laser all, manufacturer get tagged no, on these things? Who not gets at all. tagged? It's the person holding the laser, the medical director, and the med spa that are attached to that person holding the laser. Okay, and what is or the IPL. usual issue? What do you mean? Like it's usually what, a burn. It's, and why? 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 Because they didn't follow what the well, basics they could have learned at your school because because they were too busy having a fun vibe, right? There are basic safety things that are part of. Some of them are memorization, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them are discipline, like doing test spots, not cutting corners on certain areas, asking questions, asking questions, and also having. If I was sitting as a student and I had. Let's say I have 150 hours of instruction in front of me. And let's say 50 of those hours are hands-on, which would be a lot. If the instructor who's giving me the hands-on is just basically saying, okay, now do the hair do the hair reduction right there. You keep doing the same thing over again. We're not getting a lot of feedback because that instructor doesn't have 30 years or 25 years of experience. The issue what you're trying to do is, is it's such a short window of opportunity for the hands-on that you need somebody there that's been out in the real world for a long time and can say... What happens if you see this? This is what happens to the dark skin. All the different things that can happen to keep them from making the mistakes that you made for 20-something years and to prevent them from doing things like burning people, uh, making sure they actually write out their clinical notes. Is that what we're talking about? Well, it, it is. I mean, when I first started in this industry, it was going to a room with a book hopefully nothing really bad happens. And through the first two years of my practice before there were any schools, I learned things. Like when I first started, we didn't ask about ethnic background. We didn't ask about sun exposure. What does ethnic background have to do with anything? Well, if they've got a darker, uh, let's say one of my patients I had yesterday, um, she's half Irish, half Native American. Okay. The Native American, even though she looks very, very light skinned, she responds more as a darker skinned person, which means it's going to be more complicated in using a laser or an IPL. You know, some of those things just sound so racial and racist. Oh, I've had Is people tell you. Know, I've had people tell me my machines are what racist. What are we talking about? Physics. We're talking about the capacity to burn somebody based on the on the amount of melanin they get, which is exactly. a direct correlation to some of their racial ethnic component, correct? Yes. So by ascertaining that information, we can get a sense of how do we treat their skin? They may look untreated like a lighter skin type than they are, but they're more prone to burning. And if you have this information and this experience in going to a school that can teach you these things, you burn less people and get greater efficacy. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Like right before we came in here, I had a, um, a referral client call me up, a new referral client, and she wants to schedule an appointment with me. And I went through certain questions with her on the phone because I want to know whether if one, when she comes in for a consultation, can I do the treatment that day? Can I do a treatment at all? Am I wasting her time and am I wasting my time and as as well? When you, when you say that wasting time, what are we talking about? Well, if we, I book, we're, a, if, we're worried about burning. Is that what we're saying? Well, or, or if she's a candidate for what she thinks well, she wants? She thinks she wants a photo facial. Right. But they self-select if, for what they think because they heard it on a radio, yes. and yet maybe that's not what they need. Or it, maybe they come in, and I had this happen when I was at National years ago. Somebody got put on my schedule for a photo facial. They had epilepsy. 
direct contraindication. If somebody had asked on the phone, hey, do you have epilepsy? Are you on certain medications that make you photosensitive? We would know not to schedule the appointment. So instead, we wasted that person's time and my time. Yeah, we've which, had people drive which, a long way oh. to find out that they just had sun exposure. So you're, the people that are booking these appointments aren't necessarily asking the probative question that the actual clinician who's going to be using the laser need to ask. And the problem is, is let's say you go to work for a place uh, that has a, a, a high uh, client base where it's every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes. You're going to see lots and lots of people. The fact that that fast-paced environment leaves not that much time for people to ask those questions or get that information, we have a lot more chances for burns. Yes. Based on your laser lawsuit work, is it these big chains that tend to have more of these incidents? Um, you know, it's interesting. You would think that it is. I have had them from some of the chains out there. I have had lawsuits, but I've also had them from a one-person shop or from a doctor's office or from a med spa, it really comes down to the training of the person. And I tell everybody um, two things. One, don't take somebody else's problem and make it your own. What do you mean by that? Well, let's say they're tired of um, waxing, tweezing, threading their eyebrows, and they want the inside of their eyebrow and the inside of the... Um, uh, the bottom part of the eyebrow lasered, there's a good chance that you're going to blind them. So, or, or, or run the risk or, of that. So you're basically saying just because a patient wants it done, if there's some risk to it, you're actually taking that risk on. Yes. When you look at these, you know, you've done so many cases now. Um, when you look at this, what are some of the common things that you're seeing? We need to talk about what goes wrong so we can get a sense of what training things would have fixed that had they had that training. Uh, well, probably the biggest one is sun exposure or spray tans. So either not asking the question or letting them fill out a piece of paper, but not actually physically asking them, verbally asking them. Well, or having them filling out pieces of paper and then not reading them. Well, yeah. Okay. So I had somebody who came in in December and she was a referral from a good friend of ours who, or mine, who worked in this industry and worked with me at one point. And I get her back on the table and I look at her skin and I also looked at her intake form on her Fitzpatrick scale. And I noticed the last question or two questions, how often and, and when was the last time you had self-tan or anything? And she's got scheduled less than two weeks. So I look at her skin and I say, you look like you have spray tan. And so I took an alcohol pad, I wiped in the area of treatment and sure enough, it came up with brown on it. It was a spray tan. If I told her, it's like, you know, I can't even do a test spot on your point because this light is going to be attracted to whatever color it sees first, which is the spray tan, which is on the top of your epidermis, and mm -hmm. I'm going to burn you. So either I'm going to give you a crispy fried vagina for Christmas, or... That's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it is. Or I'm going to reschedule you into January when I know you don't have a spray tan. So you nicely rescheduled the I did reschedule But you had you not known to do that. But you know, some of this seems like it's so basic, but when you look at these laser cases that you've taken on, which has been a great insight for your what you teach, right? Don't yes. you look at some of these cases and realize I need to reinforce Absolutely. these concepts because these are the things that we keep seeing. Things like not writing down what happened, just basic clinical notes. Things like not asking questions about medications. Mm -hmm. Things like tr settings, like going off someone else's settings that you, like the tech before you. That, those types of issues, right? Those are the things that we, see, we tend to see. Well, one of the things that and I've been doing expert laser witness since uh, 2007, um, so now 13 years, 
it really has played into how I teach and how I treat. And also the paperwork that I have in my spa that I use, which is there to protect me and to give me as much information about my patient as I can get. So I use paperwork to get a lot of information. And then I use questions. Um, and I ask them things that other people might not ask them, like, oh, I see you live on the west side and you work on the east side. Well, at that point, I know if I'm going to do a photofacial on her chest, she probably is getting a minimum of one to two hours a day of sun exposure through that front windshield. The window. Yeah. But doesn't the windshield block no. all the... It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. everybody's seen the picture of the dude's face. That was a truck driver with the right. left side looked like it was melting. Right. Um, you know, hey, let's talk about your kids. Do you have little kids? What do they do? Oh, well, they play soccer. Oh, how many times a week? You know, the nice thing is, is it sounds like you're really trying to get to know your patient, your well, client. Well, you are at And the you same are. Time. But I'm also being, you know, Scooby-Doo detective because not everybody will tell you about sun exposure. So I have to try to figure out what is their actual sun exposure. Are they sitting at a t-ball game three times a week for two hours? If they are, I don't expect them to stop doing that, but what we are going to talk about is some sun sense and using a certain kind of SPF, which is a physical block, wearing wide brim hats, carrying UV uh, uh, SPF umbrellas. There's lots of things they can do to make their skin safe to work on. Or, hey, maybe we just do it after a little Jimmy season's over. It's going to sound like an obvious question. Does this really matter? I mean, how often does someone actually get burned? Oh, for God's sake. Way too many times. Um, like it, when you were in NLI, how many people got burned? Um, I don't know the answer to that. How many people do you know of that got burned? Um, me, myself, there are people that I know or not that are a case. Probably a few dozen. A few dozen? Yeah. Okay, that's a lot. That is a lot. What happens when someone gets burned? Is it a big deal? Do you lose your license? Do you get sued? What happens? Well, it depends. I don't want to scare people if it's not a no. big deal. It's really, it, a lot of it depends on um, the person. It, it depends on how they are cared for afterwards. I always tell people, it's like if you do a test spot on somebody and you skin, see the skin blanch out underneath it, which means it turns gray, that is a blister, right. okay? You stop what you're doing, and you have to try to assess why did it happen. It could be something you did. It could be something that the client did. If they leave your office and they look great, and the next day they show up with blisters, did they go into a hot tub? So you, you can do... Before, I'm going to interrupt you. You take before and after pictures? None of everything, because nobody's going to let me take a picture of their hoo-ha. I understand that. You're right. But do, I mean, generally, though, like photofacial stuff, have you attempted photofacial, to do Photofacial, I always things? do pictures. Okay. And what's good about that? Um, well, one, it shows us where we started. So then as we progress through their treatments, it'll show us where you we are. You show them before and you take one after too? I do. And, okay. and what do you get out of the after picture? Okay. It, um, it shows that I did a safe treatment. So if I see... Well, what, don't they blister three hours later? They could. Um, and, and that's very possible. So, I mean, one of the things that I do in my own practice is that evening... I send them a text and I ask them how their skin is feeling. And I say, thank you for coming in. Um, do you feel any more heat? And if they say yes, then I say, well, make sure you continue to ice down because I have them ice after usually a photo facial. Um, and then what I usually say is, hey, can you send me a picture of your skin? You know, the area that I treated, I want to see you know, what it looks like. I want to see how much erythema is there, how many browns are there. Those are the things that I want to see. And then I can't on to that. I don't get rid of those pictures. And it's kind of like a visual confirmation of what I think happened. Now, if I saw it and I thought they were having an adverse event, then it would be I would want to have my medical director involved at that point. I would want to try to treat them first. And the first thing you don't want to do is throw yourself under a bus because if you do, let's say, a great photo facial on somebody's hands, and then they go home and their dishwasher is broke and they're doing dishes and sticking their hands in hot water. Yep, yep. The chance of them blistering is going to go up. 
that's why it's important to have a lot of experience because it seems like these clinical endpoints that we're talking about, like what it should look like when you're done, are more far more nuanced than uh, that they teach you in the in the five to six days you're there. Uh, you know, you got follicular edema for for uh, hair reduction. You have um, you know brown spots popping up on that, but there's other things we need to look for, right? And isn't that sort of what the point of having an experienced teacher is? Is it's the it's the 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 ten percent stuff that you, that they're not going to see generally that they need to know about, but unless someone's actually seen it and dealt with it, they don't know to look for it. Well, yeah, and I mean, a lot of my experience is rolled into my training because my job is to teach a safe and effective and profitable procedure. Safety overrides everything. Then it becomes effective, and then we make money. So we talk about making money. I'll just jump to that. Um, there are there are tricks, hacks, if you will, uh, shortcuts that you can do. But it takes someone with a lot of experience to know when it's appropriate to take a shortcut and when it's not. Because we don't want to take a shortcut where then it compromises the patient's safety and someone gets burned. But we also want to be able to, to treat as quickly but effectively as possible. And I think that that seems to get lost when we don't have the, the level of experience that someone like you has in teaching is that just haven't done it long enough to really have seen everything and, and know what to look for, which what you can and can't get away with when you're trying to speed through patients. Well, it's certainly that, but it's um, over time, people, I think, get very cocky and get sloppy. And I had a training a couple of weeks ago, and one of the people had been doing it for quite some time. And she actually scared me with some of her techniques and what she's been doing. It scared me so much that I had a conversation with her medical director the next day. And then the owner of the spa emailed me the day after and said, hey, this is kind of scary. What do you think? And I'm like, absolutely. So sometimes you can have somebody who has a tremendous amount of experience, but thinks that they can never burn somebody. But you don't know what you don't know. If you've been trained, let's say improperly, or you've been trained where you don't you don't get someone who's given you all of the different things that could happen, you get a false sense of security. And, well, and then and you again, do something stupid. And, and I always say, and I, I, I'll say this in almost every podcast, when you don't know what you don't know, what it means really is, is that there might be some things out there that even though you have 20 plus years experience that you just don't know. One of the best things that, that, that I am trying to do and I'm encouraging others to do is have a little bit of intellectual modesty where we say to ourselves, I'm really good at what I do, but I, I want to keep an open mind and constantly look at new training and new techniques so I can continue to learn as opposed to being a guru and just uh, I'm closed minded. This is how it's done. No, you know what? I, I do know a lot because I've been doing this for a very long time, but there's always room to learn and there's always room to improve. But when you talk about, um, you know, little hacks and things like that, one of the things like if I've got a patient in and I do test spots on every single patient every single time. Now I'm not talking about test spots where they go away because they're skin type four or five and six. We're talking about the ones, twos and threes. Okay. So if I've got them coming in and I'm doing, let's say um, an axilla, so an underarm, a bikini line, and lower legs. At the beginning of the treatment, I'm going to do three different test spots in all three areas. So I'm going to do a test spot in the axilla, a test spot in a bikini line, and a test spot on the lower legs. And then I'm going to probably start at the axilla because it tends to be one of the least reactive. And then I can look back at my legs and see, do I need a little bit more fluence or do I need a little bit less fluence? So you can or look at one party thing? part and sort of compare it to the other and get a sense of what it's going to be like. No, I'm going to look at one body part and compare it to itself. Okay. So, but 
when I do a test spot, I usually wait about five to 10 minutes. So if I do a test spot on the underarm and I wait 10 minutes, and then I do a test spot in the bikini give line, boss 20 minutes. and then I do one on the legs, and it's, I'm adding 30 minutes to my treatment time. So I do it all at the beginning. And then when I move from the axilla to the bikini line, I still have another opportunity to do a test spot on the lower leg, which will tell me, do I want to go up or down in my fluence or stay the yeah, same? That's, so you are sort of using that as a guide, a comparative guide based on, on those initial yeah. test spots to each other. What I like to say is, I, you know, and I tell my patients this all the time, and if you want to steal it, go ahead. I said, I'm like a carpenter. I'm going to measure twice and cut once. I'm going to spend more time on my test spots than sometimes the time it takes to get through the treatment. Sure. And then I had somebody who came in a couple of weeks ago, and she's uh, Vietnamese. So she typed out as a skin type 3, but because she is Vietnamese, I'm going to treat her as a skin type 5. So when I did her test spots, I needed a test for two things. I needed a test for both safety and efficacy. Right. So how I did that is her underarms were shaved. I picked a small area. I did her test spots with what I thought was going to be appropriate for her skin. And I had her come back about 10 days later. And I asked her not to shave her underarms because underarms are a small area. So it's easy for me to shave in the room. Okay. It's not like a back or a leg or, you know, Brazilian vagina, something like that. It's really easy. And what I did was in the area that I had done the treatment, I took a pair of tweezers and I pulled on the hairs that were there. Ah. So when the hairs come right out of its follicle, it means it's dead. It's no right. longer it just, growing. The, the, the it just antigen hasn't, phase hasn't it just got hasn't, the intelligent. Got it. Exactly. So the intelligent phase is completed. Do what I, that allowed me to do was to do both safety and efficacy in one treatment. treatment so yeah. I knew that it was going to work, and I knew it was going to be safe. See, and that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Let's get let's delve into this just a little bit more. So. We've, I've sort of been talking about the safety piece, the way that because of your later lawsuit experience and the, and the years of experience you're doing that, you can keep a student coming to you safer, make less mistakes, assuming they're paying attention. And you do that at the expense of, I'm going to be straight up, fun. It's not so much partying and hanging out looking at your phone. You engage these people with the science first. They have to know the science inside and out. And then by the time they're in the room, working on patients, you hit them with a lot of patients and and a lot of hands-on and a lot by having a low ratio, they're doing a lot more treatments and, and you're interacting with them to say, technique should have been this or what if it was this? You're constantly challenging them yes. to make sure that they're learning as much as they can possibly learn first to be safe. Yeah. So here's the thing on, on cell phones. If somebody takes a cell, uses a cell phone in my room, I take it from them. I treat them like a 14-year-old. And I will tell them that up front. You can't be on your cell phone and understand what's going on. Just like you can't text and drive. I don't want you texting and being in my room. It's rude. Because yeah, you want their total attention because you only have so much time and you're trying to to transmit as, as much knowledge as possible. And because every patient's different, you're going to, it's going to be different every time. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not going to hear the same thing over and over again because every patient is different. And that's what I think goes wrong at some of these schools is the idea of we're going to do 10 fingers. Well, yeah, 10 fingers are the same, so not much changes. But if they're constantly getting a different skin type, a different body part, different medic medical conditions, different medications, uh, different sun exposure, they're constantly having to, to, to flood that flood. You're over almost overwhelming them with information to try to, and then making them choose what's the proper uh, settings, uh, what what should the test spots look like, and what what should the final clinical endpoint look like. Yes, well, I teach to a clinical endpoint, which is something 
Um, I couldn't do uh, at the end when we're at NLI just because um, there was a lot of people in the room. So we took the settings down purposefully. So that's 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 the point I was going to get to on the efficacy piece. So for the purposes of being safe, one one strategy that schools have used is to turn the settings way down. So regardless of what happens, it's almost I won't say it's impossible, but it's far more difficult to burn. The problem with that is, is they don't learn efficacy. Nope. And that's what I'm saying is your school is different, is that you're allowing them to go on full treatment settings that's appropriate for that patient because you're there supervising them. You're not dummying it down by, by putting the, the training wheels and the governor on the settings so that even if they goof up, it doesn't matter because they're hardly getting any energy. You're actually doing full <coughs> treatment settings so these people actually can learn efficacy. Because what happens... When they get out in the real world, they're safe. That's great, right? They didn't burn anybody. What happens if they don't have efficacy? They don't grow their business. What do you mean? What happens? Well, because if, if you don't get results with somebody, they're not coming back to you and they're not referring somebody else to you. What happens if you go to work for somebody and you're somehow, you got your settings dumbed down because that's what you were taught? What's going to happen? Uh, you're, you're not going to get You're, you're going to get anything. fired, right? Because people are going to be complaining because they didn't get any efficacy. Their, their arm and arm hairs are still there. Or their photofacial didn't look like anything lifted, right? Yeah, you can't... You, the problem is, is that if you don't have the experience and you don't have the concentration and dedication that you have to allow students to use the actual true settings instead of the safe, dumbed-down settings... Yeah, they can get through 10 treatments, but they didn't learn anything about the efficacy safety balance. Well, what, how I explain it to my students is when you leave here, I'm not going to be in the room with you, which means I've got to teach you what the clinical endpoint should look like at the end so you can then duplicate it. Think for themselves. Not only in your room, but with a different piece of equipment. And that, that's what I see the differences is that instead of having someone just sort of walk you through it, hold your hand, put settings on that doesn't really matter what you shoot, they're not going to get burned, and then now you have a certificate, how does that help them when they're in the room by themselves? It they can't think for themselves. Themselves, they can't get efficacy and they don't know what safe is because they've had the settings so low, they don't understand what happens. They've never even seen a clinical endpoint. Well, one of the things I also do is if I have a patient and let's say I go out to get her to bring her back and she comes in and she's on a medication, she's, let's say we're going to do a photo facial on her and she tells me that she's on Aurasia. Aurasia is doxycycline. Right. I don't send her out of the room right away. What I do is I use it as a teaching experience that, okay, this is why we're not going to do a treatment on you, but I want to talk to this to you in front of the students so they understand what, what I say. What is the script that I would say? Yeah, how do you not piss the patient off? because well, you well, don't want to. to you, you don't want to burn them, but they're, 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 they're kind of excited to get something done. Yes. What is that? Also, what I've seen you do is, and we haven't got to profitability, we're about to do that, but for efficacy, you've actually been, you can teach some, teach these students that there are ways that they can still safely do the treatment. Well, there's ways you can safely do the treatment. Change hand pieces, things or, like that. Or you, maybe you do a different treatment that day. Let's say they've got sun exposure and, and you can't do a treatment. Well, gee, can you do like a skin spot treatment? Can you do something else? A can you do a hydrating something facial? Like that. Something that doesn't involve any type of sun exposure. Other so, thing I was going to ask you on that, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but let's say we have, you know, if they're in, a, in, a, in an environment where they have, let's say, a IPL hair reduction versus a diode hair reduction, can having both of those machines and knowing the differences between the two help them sort of switch machines for a better outcome or, or a more safe outcome? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, when you look at it, I've got both. 
if, if I'm starting out with somebody who's got really coarse, dark hair, I tend to gravitate towards the diode. If I've got somebody who's starting to get more fine hair as they go through treatments, then I'm going to probably switch them on to the IPL because I think it does a little bit better job on the really fine hairs. So um, let me ask you that. So, so basically, a school that has lots of different types of equipment that can do the same or similar job is important, right? Well, okay. It is important to do that, but what's more important is to teach the clinical endpoint because there is no guarantee that when they go work someplace, they're going to have either one of those machines or any of the machines that you have. True, but actually having a school that has multiple different machines as opposed to just one is helpful it because is helpful. they're not like locked into just knowing how to use that one machine. Well, and it also teaches them how to use different hand pieces. Hand pieces are shaped differently. They're umbilical. Some are longer. Some are shorter. It teaches them how to work with different pieces of equipment and, and be able to do it in a safe, effective manner. Also, though, like when you talk about, let's say, diode versus IPL, having both of these technologies, do you teach both of those yes, technologies? So that, that gives them a sense of what should you use? What are the advantages and disadvantages? How do they compare? Um, you told me that in earlier that NLI had some good equipment. They what did. kind of equipment do you have? It seems like you have more equipment than I've ever seen. Oh, I, some some women collect shoes. I collect lasers. Um, so I've got I, I've got IPLs. You have multiple, got IPL multiple IPL systems. Devices. You have multiple diode I've systems. Got diodes. I've got Q switch uh, lasers for laser facials and also for um, tattoo removal. Uh, I've you got have skin systems. I've and got RF microneedling. Uh, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of toys. Why do you do that? Because everybody's different. And well, also, I like from to a, teach. From a, okay, from a teaching standpoint, why do you have so many different machines? Why don't you just stick to one machine and not ding up the other ones? Oh, because it's, it's a learning experience. Okay. They, so you're they giving need to people, understand. you're going to have lower, you're only going to have six students max, right? In, in the in clinical, clinical part. room. And those students are not only going to have more patients than normal, they're going to have your undivided attention or one of the people that you instruct. That, that, obviously, let's talk about your instructor since we got to that. How hard are you and your instructors? Um, well, first of all, all of my instructors have been trained by me. Okay. Also, they have to be working in the real world. So I don't hire anybody who isn't working in either their own med spa or a med spa or for a doctor because I think there's a tremendous amount of value somebody can bring to a student by having real world experience and talking about things that actually happen. These are experienced people, from my oh, understanding. Oh, God. Like one of them I taught, uh, she was in 2008, 2007, something like that. Okay. So, yes. All, so all, all of your them, people are going to have significant experience. Yes. Otherwise, Does, I don't do do your me. students all get at least some time with you? Yes. Okay. So everyone's going to have time with you. Yes. And, you know, when we've looked at this, you know, I've talked, you know, we're married. You seem like you really love teaching, yet it seems to be the most exhausting thing. And, you know, what... How does you how do you compare your teaching day here versus your old teaching days at, say, NLI or something like that? Um well, there's never going to be anybody harder on myself than myself. And whether I was there or I was here, I, it, my best intention is to have my students understand. I, I was known as like the really hard instructor there because one, I don't put up with shit. Two, it's like if, if I say that we're starting at two and you're not back from lunch till 2.30, you're not coming in my room until we have a break. So this is not a place for like, if you want to goof off and have an easy time, this you probably it. don't come to your school. Don't right? come. And, I've, and I've told Who them should this, come to your school then? Somebody who's very serious about their education, who has a passion about their industry and wants to grow. Um, I don't have as many, you know, you, you had said 
you know, is what are some of the, the benefits of going to your school? Here's a downfall of, of going to me. I don't have that many classes per year. And the reason I don't have as many classes per year is I have a lot of other businesses within our business. And quite frankly, the teaching part, I make the least amount of money. So if I just looked at it, how much money do I make? I lose money every time I walk out of my office and I walk into a treatment room because when I am in my office, I'm making a lot of money. That's why I have to charge X amount of dollars. So, so why do you do it then, Chris? I love it. You know what? I, yeah, and no, I know all, it's, all the things you do, what do you like the best? You know, well, one, I love working on my own patients is my candy. Okay. And I will say that all the time. I you love like teaching. I do like teaching um, because you know what? I'm not here to put out 300, 400 laser techs a year. I'm here to put out maybe 30 really great laser techs that can get jobs that can make this their career. When you say get jobs, you know, we've talked about this, but and I, you know, there, there's post-secondary and there's different reporting things, but Honestly, I've seen every, not making this statistic up, this is a real thing. You've gotten or helped every single one of your students get a job. Is that correct? With exception of one, she moved to Tennessee. Okay. And you didn't help her then? No. she, you, she just no, let her, you just let her go because she went to Tennessee. Well, she also nice, got Chris. pregnant and she got married. Just she didn't want to do her. anything. I did. I nice. did. That was bad. Uh, no, I, I do help people um, because one, I have laser... Reps that call me up and say, hey, I need a tech in this area. But also, I think people know, especially in this city, that I put out a very good product. So, okay. So, back to the complaining part that we started on. You've been doing Aesthetic Laser Academy, Aesthetic Advisor Laser Academy for several years now. What are you going to do different now? What are you comp- contemplating doing different now? So, after just complaining about, A, it takes a lot of time, you want serious students, what are you going to do? Well, we're gonna, What's the plan? We're going to change the format a little bit. Um, and quite frankly, I'm raising the price. And nobody likes to raise prices, but I've When been, you say raise the price, are they going to get more out of it they're than gonna, they normally would? Well, I'm going to include some things in a mentorship package that... I hate packages. I you know. You hate packages. I hate what packages. does this mean? Well, what it means is one of the problems that I had when I worked for somebody else is once that student left, we weren't allowed to really talk to them after that. And when these people go into an office, they tend to be on their own little island and they don't have a lot of resources. So it's nice to be able to reach out to somebody. I have students from years and years ago who reach out to me. I'd rather have them reach out to me than do something stupid. So you're saying... This isn't really a change, though. It, These people do this anyway. But you're you're going to try to make it on the front end as well as not just the basics of what the state requires. You're going to go, what, more things, well, more training, more mentorship, it, it's, go it's, deeper into the sciences? What are we talking here? Well, it's it's not just, well, we're adding something onto the class now that the state is requiring where it has to do with radio frequency. Um, so those hours are going to be added into yeah, I'm going to make that another podcast. Yeah. So you know. Um, but when it comes to it, what I what I what do I want from a student? I want somebody who's passionate that this is going to be their chosen career that they want to invest in themselves and in their career. What I don't want is somebody who wants to be a weekend warrior and every you know maybe a one day a month I'll work at this place because I get free treatments if I do that. That is not the person for me. I, I want somebody who's serious about their craft basically because that's what I look at. This I look at a photo facial is freaking art. 
hair reduction is pretty easy to teach. A photo facial is not that easy to teach. But I also want to take these people and I want to redo their resume because most of their resumes suck. <laughs> I so mean, you help I, them get a job. But I've also seen you help people run their own shop. And what I can tell, the people that you've trained have done really well, like yes. made a lot of money because we haven't really talked about the profitability. But that's the part where, you know, it's not that hard to keep people safe. It's harder to keep people effective. It's very difficult to treat profitability to, to teach profitability. And I think that's one of the things you've done the best is your people that have paid attention and spent the time in the mentorship part of this thing that you're talking about even increasing more have done really well. Well, no, no, that I mean there's a reason dermatologists and doctors across the country hire me to come in and teach their staff that already knows how to do the treatments, teach them how to do combinations and be profitable. It's because it may cost them twelve thousand dollars for two days for me in there. But in 20 days, they've increased their profitability by 45000 And which, And I've seen that over and over again. And, and a lot of this is, it's more than just the science. It's, it's the whole accumulation of how do you be safe? You have to have it take, almost take that for granted. But then you teach them that the efficacy piece part's important. But then this profitability piece, it has a lot to do with salesmanship, customer service types of things, but also being a clinician, understanding when it's appropriate. Because what's if there wasn't any ethics in this, you could just sell them, just to tell them to go sell used cars for a year and they'll be fantastic. But the problem is there has to be the medical ethics part of this thing. You don't want to give treatment to someone that doesn't work. So you have to know all of the science, all of the medicine, and at the same time, be a fantastic communicator and salesperson. Yes. And, I and think, you're teaching that. Does anybody else teach that? Because I have not seen that coming out of these other schools. Uh, my background, I think, is a lot different than than most people in this industry. I mean, when I came out of high school, I went to college and I got a degree. And then I ended up... Your degree's in marketing. Uh, yes. And okay. then, but I ended up selling fax machines back when fax machines were first out and nobody knew what it was. And then I became a district sales manager with Panasonic. And I was the youngest one. I was the only female. Um, and I had a $5 million quota in the area of Indiana, Kentucky, and Michigan. This was in the 80s when this the economy the was just crap. Oh, it was just shit. <laughs> and, and so, but it taught me so much about not only selling, but I was also their trainer before I was their DSM. So I've been training people on how to do things since I was 22 years old. I'm almost 55. Let me ask you this. What do you make an hour? I mean, can I ask you that question when you're... When you're Treating patients. When I'm treating patients, the minimum that I'm making is three hundred. The minimum. The what, minimum. What's a normal day though for you? Well, I'm. I honestly, what do you normally make per patient? It depends on the procedure. I can go as high as five hundred to six hundred, depending if I'm combining things or my my minimum is three hundred. I don't walk into my room without that goal. In my three hundred hours, what you're yes. saying. Yes, but I'm not, and I've also seen you do it for less than an hour. I've seen you done forty five minutes and make. Oh, I've done forty five. I've also or... seen you go straight eight hours and come out with seven eight grand too. Yeah, that's a good days. Yeah, but I'm saying is this is the kind of thing that you're able to teach, right? Well, because here's the thing: most of the people that are doing this job now. Um, the majority of them are estheticians. They might not have any type of sales background, and they're almost embarrassed or shy. They don't know how to combine things. They don't know how to ask for a larger number. They don't know how to value their time, their experience, and their judgment. Um, I am not for every single patient. When, and one of my favorite sayings and one of the best things about having the last name of group is when they say, do you have a group on? And I say, no, my last name's group. I'm group off. I don't do bargain treatments because I know what I'm going to do for my patient and it's my time, my skill, my judgment 
and my care and my devices that is and going to... And the fact that your settings are actually on the edge of being still safe, but getting the efficacy that I'm, other people are not getting. I am, I am efficacy. I can teach that and I can do that. But it's... You're laughing at me. I sometimes well, It might be like in, uh, Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire Fire, when she's uh, she's interviewing people and then uh, Robin Williams says, I am job and calls her, <laughs> I am efficacy. Shut up. Uh, it, no, but it, it is so true. There are so many components in this job that is not just putting the handpiece down, moving it down the leg, flipping them over, doing the other side. You know, it, it, it used to, somebody used to say, well, a trained monkey can do that. No, they really can't, and they can't do it well. You know, it's funny that you say that because, um, you know, as a dentist, you know, people say, well, we're molar mechanics. If it was truly just the mechanics of drilling and filling holes, you could just have a machine do it. The problem is, is having the judgment of knowing when to do, when to and when to not do something and the entire human factor side, people's fears, <clears throat> dealing with their emotions, dealing with the fact that certain people have an expectation. Machines can't do that. And the, I think that... I get that when we look at like when the state of Arizona sets up a training program, it's training for safety. They just don't want to burn people. They're not talking about efficacy and they're definitely not talking about profitability. What I see is a lot of these programs are just teaching to the minimums to get you your certificate. And what what I hear you saying is if that's what you want, do not come to you because no. you'll be overwhelmed. And I'm not going to want to teach you anyways. No. But... If you want to, you know, another thing I was going to say, if you, if you think you're going to go work for uh, one of these places that, uh, you know, are pushing people out every 15 minutes, this might not be the place for you, for them either. I think this, that what it looks like is that you're talking about people who are either going to run their own shop or have a lot of autonomy into what they're able to do. Because if you're just forced to see someone every 15 minutes and they're just thrown at you, you can't employ a lot of the things that you're trying to teach these people to do. Am I right on that? Well, it's okay. There's two sides to that sword. One is going to be really good uh, throwing you into the dark, dark or deep end of the water and watching you swim. So and you're saying you it wouldn't be that bad for them to work doing something like that in the beginning for no. six months a year. Yeah, I did that as a <clears> dentist. <throat> I worked. Um, and I was an associate and got my butt handed to me just patient after patient. Yeah. And then I went and bought. So, okay. But we're saying long term, though. Well, long term, here's the thing. is I, I, The person that I talked to right before this, she's coming in in a week. And I've scheduled out enough time for a consultation and or treatment. And I make sure she knows it's and or treatment. Because if there's something that her skin, when I put a handpiece down on her skin and I do a test about that, I don't like. I don't want her coming out with the expectation that I'm going to do a treatment. And quite frankly, I'm the boss of my room. My patient is not. They don't get to tell me what to do. And even though they want to, they still don't get to tell me me what because to it's do. your license your, it's my your knowledge everything and everything your is mine. exactly i'm i don't want to waste my time but but here's the thing is if you, you don't are waste only, their time either though. i don't but here's the thing is if you are doing this job only for the money you're gonna fuck up you really will yeah because the, the, the medical you ethics part of this because you'll is not sell always money maker well you'll sell them something they don't need but more importantly you're going to do a treatment when you shouldn't be doing it and that $300 or $200 or $100 that you made is going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars once you get an attorney and an expert witness involved. Or how about just the fact that if it's, treatment. let's just do the opposite. Let's say it's not safe, but it's also not effective. They're not well, coming they're not back coming to you. Back so and they're not sending you, you lose right. people. You know, this has been said in many different industries, but it's so much more expensive to get a new client or a new patient than it is to maintain the ones that you have. Oh, exactly. And to so, get a referral. I mean, my client acquisition rate is basically nothing. But you do I'm zero marketing. I, you, I'm all you referral. You do absolutely zero marketing. Oh, the person that called me today, that was a You referral. also do zero marketing for your school is one of the reasons why you don't have that many students, but... My it's understanding is because you don't want a bunch of students. I, I, no, here's the thing is 
I don't want to spend my time on people who aren't serious about their craft. I don't. Evidence-Based Aesthetics is brought to you by Steratip. Don't use a gloved finger to apply products. With Steratip and Steratip Minis, clinicians can use a soft, sterile applicator that saves expensive product and eliminates the mess. Check out the revolutionary Steratip at steratip.info or call 480-369-6905 today. And now back to the show. Let me ask you this. This is some of the, the piece that we, you and I had talked about earlier. These schools seem like they're designed for entry-level people or just meeting the requirements. You come to this state, you need a 24-hour. Do you think there's a place for an, someone who has experience in this field already to come to see you for a, a training program that isn't necessarily 88 hours, but a mentorship and an advanced training that can maybe, if they keep an open mind, can show some of the things that maybe they're doing that isn't working so well or are ways to be, become more safe, more effective, and more profitable. Absolutely. I think that's, a, that, that's something that it, it takes a little bit of intellectual humility and a little bit of being open-minded, but my understanding is, is perform, people, athletes, Performance athletes never think they already are the best at it. They're constantly learning and stuff. The way they become top athletes is they keep on going to different uh, trainers and different camps and different things like that. I don't understand in this industry, and maybe you could speak to this because you're in it, why people are so, uh, I don't, maybe it's arrogant or maybe they just know it all, that they think, well, I already went to school and I've been doing it for 30 years. That they, How could they possibly be keeping up the new, on the latest technology if they're not <coughs> in a training environment where they're getting the latest technology? Oh, because unless the state mandates the training, they won't do so it. So there's no continuing education no, for, for laser tech. So therefore, since it's up to the person. And in that particular case, does laser technology change? Absolutely. Is the way that you practiced five years ago different from the way you practice now? Yep. Why? Because we now have more devices or different wavelengths or different versions of those devices if they're fractionating them. And then we also are learning more combinations. So instead of just doing a photofacial. But now, I've been doing it this way the whole time. It's been working for me. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Chris. Well, you know, and you're Doesn't now, that Isn't that the opposite of evidence-based aesthetics? That's the whole name of this whole podcast, Evidence-Based Aesthetics. What does Evidence-Based Aesthetics teach us? Well, one, well... We learn from the mistakes of others. We learn from the mistakes we learn. We look, we look at a large segment of people doing treatments, and we use research to guide us on improving our safety, our efficacy. And if we can prove, if we improve safety and efficacy, we naturally improve profitability. But it also may be, I mean, you think about when we first started looking at uh, microneedling as a treatment back in 2010, 2009, and you think about where we had to get our articles to support the evidence of the training. Yeah, it was and there garbage. was like things from 3M. There wasn't anything. But you look now at microneedling as a treatment and you look at the peer reviewed research. There is so much more now, and that's only you know nine, ten years. It's not very long. So as we do more treatments, you get more peer-reviewed research because more people are trying to figure out how to do this. That's right. So when you get somebody at my level, now we're trying to figure out what can we put together one to give the patient a better outcome, but also increase our profitability. Do you change your curriculum? I update it. Some so, things stay the same. Physics is physics. It's never going to change. Right. So a chromophore is a chromophore. Yes. And the absorption of light at this particular wavelength is going to be what it is. Yes. But different machines and different combinations and different... Over time, we can see that things like settings start to decrease the energy settings and get better efficacy. These manufacturer settings that are set out are, are, 
a rough guess, and it takes research and time for those manufacturer settings to actually evolve into best practices, best settings for a particular skin type, a particular condition, and then energy and things change. There's also variations in equipment. An IPL lamp that's brand new is is giving more energy than an IPL lamp that's age, aged. Right? Yeah, well, you can look at how many shots has have been fired. Over time, the light bulb starts to degrade and you get less energy. Even though you think you're getting at 36 joules for your fluence, you're actually not even getting close to that because the light's worn out. And you've seen that done where they use older machines in some of these schools oh, yeah. because they have far less safety issues. Do you do any of those things? How new no. are your machines? Um, well, anywhere they from, maintained? yes, anywhere from 2019, I didn't buy any 2020 yet, but it is February. Um, and up to 2012 is my oldest machine, but the hand pieces on it have all been, um, refurbished. So we're using the latest machinery, <laughs> using someone who's got a lot of experience using evidence-based research to guide the newest, latest, greatest technologies and treatments in a school that doesn't take a lot of students, that's focused on making sure that these students have a rigorous background in science, lots of hands-on experience with someone who's actually guiding them, not looking at their phone, waiting to go on a date uh, at 10 minutes after, and, and truly focused on the ability that they can probably call you at 8 o'clock at night if they're in the gym, and you'll most likely answer the phone. They, they do actually do that, and I do. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know so I that's do. the reason. And so basically, because you could make so much more money doing treatments, you're, you're going to charge a premium for that. But yep. what, what do they get for that? Is this something they can get anywhere else? In, at least in Arizona. No, because I'm teaching it. They're not getting me. So, and I know that sounds arrogant, and I don't want it well, to sound well, okay, arrogant. So it's, it does sound arrogant. What are they actually getting from you? Your level of experience is what? You own a med spa. I own a med spa. I have done these treatments since 2003. How many people have you taught? Over 10,000. Since? Since two thousand. taught since 2005. Okay, so tens of thousands of people. Yes. How many of these people are successful of your own personal students? Um, very close to 100% of the students that have come out of this school. Do you teach doctors? Do Absolutely. dermatologists call you up to get your settings for things? Uh, they call me up for lots of questions. I think, yeah. I think, Which is weird. But it is, it it is really, it is really, it is <laughs> it really is weird, weird when I have derms calling like, up and going, what do you think? Me. Yeah. I know. That's, that's an odd one, but. Uh, how, how tied are you to the, to the laser companies? Do you have any interaction with these laser companies as far as like, them telling you about new machines, them working with you, referring their own sales. Uh, when they yes. sell a machine, they want you to they train roll, them. They roll me into the training. And a lot of times that's why they've gotten the deals because I've enrolled in. Um, because I, I've got a good reputation. You know, my job is to do safe, effective treatment and be profitable. I teach that to my students. I expect with my own patients to be safe and effective. I am not the highest price person to go to here in the Valley. I'm not the lowest price. I make money for my time, but virtually for what my experience is, I could charge a lot more, but I don't want to because I love doing what I do. I'm very fortunate and very blessed to be able to love my job and here 17 years later to not be bored. Okay. So what are we talking? You have an entry level class, if you want to call it that, the basic school that you need to get your certificate from the state, which is an 88-hour program. Yes. You haven't decided when you're going to do it. No. My understanding is that you have a flex time program. Yes. How does that work? Um, instead of doing consecutive days, I do it on like 
weekends. So, so one weekend a month or every weekend in it a row? Usually every weekend in a row. And depending on the class and when we need to get it done, it'll either be Saturday, Sunday, or just on Sunday. So okay. like the last That's Friday the run. flex time yeah. class. You also have a intensive class, so which is just straight through. It's a through. fast track. Fast track. And that's how many days? That's um, 11 days. Okay. And, and one day in between because I truly think you need one day off in between the didactic to go into clinical for your brain to rest. Now, there is this requirement that doctors, DOs, MDs, NMDs in this state, and nurse practitioners who want to supervise others have to be a medical director. How many hours is that class? 24. Just okay. theory. It's just theory. There is a requirement that nurses and PAs or doctors nurse practitioners and NMDs who aren't going to supervise, if they want to operate lasers in this state, they need a 24-hour class as well, which yes. is all theory. Yes. You're also talking about developing, or you have already developed, an advanced class for people who've been doing this a long time, but want to learn the latest and greatest things. How would that roll out? Is that like a one-day one thing, three-day thing? Would you custom tailor it? How many students would you need to actually have a class go off? Well, it, it would depend because I have some of my programs online. So if I've got somebody from a different state or somebody who already has their licensure where they don't have to submit to the state, I can look at doing a hybrid class. So they would be, get a lot of the sciencey stuff ahead of time. But yes. the hands-on stuff the hands -on, obviously, obviously has to be it. with you. No, it has to be done um, here. So it just it depends on the level that the student is at, where they're at in their practice. And what they want to learn. What yeah. they want to learn. And I have a lot of people coming from other states who are already working, but let's say they're only doing hair reduction and they want to learn photofacials. What do they get out of it? So they learn how to do photofacial a little bit better? But are you also teaching those things that you go into these derms offices? You teach them how to sell. You I teach, teach them, them how, how to, to combine sell. things. So they're going from... $150 an hour to $300 to $600 an hour. You're actually giving them the tools and the skills and the knowledge and the experience necessary to obviously do it safely, to do it effectively, but most importantly, how to be profitable doing this. So you're going to say that most of these people probably understand the safety. If you catch someone doing something unsafe, you're going to tell them. They probably get the efficacy. It's the profitability mm -hmm. that these advanced users are going to learn about is, hey, what are the newest things? What are ways, what can we combine? And what can we charge? Well, and also, how do we ask somebody to give me $600 yeah. for this hour of a treatment? I mean, consumers... Is that worth it, do you think? Because, again, every time that I've... This is me. Every time that I've dealt with other dentists or I've looked at, watched some of these estheticians and or nurses, they all... I won't say all, but very much many of them either are afraid to admit they don't know or are very arrogant and say, well, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I mean, what, what else could I learn? There's always something that can be learned because you're constantly paying attention to the latest thing and the evidence. That's what's separating, in my opinion, what's separating you from these other schools is this is an evidence-based school that looks at research, not a curriculum that was approved 15 years ago, teaches them the basics, have a couple martinis, have a real fun time at a party, and they get their basic certificate, go out into the world, and then, then they just sit there and go, now what the hell do I do? Um, that is all very, very true. I mean, it, one of the things is if, and I tell people, I had uh, a flight attendant years ago tell me that she wanted to come to school and she was thinking about doing it, you know, one day a month here and there when she's off our schedule. And I said, first of all, you're going to waste your money and your time and you're wasting my time. I don't want those kind of people. I want people who want to improve their, their practice. Every week, I'm on the internet looking for fun. I mean, I'm, I'm the stupid person who's on the Arizona Department of Health Services looking to see who's 
got their certification and who doesn't. Well, we've been to so many different continuing ed classes too. Oh, well, it's like for me, continuing education is fun. And the way that I learned how to teach laser physics was my own. I had to self-teach me. Nobody taught me laser physics. I had to do it myself in 2005. What's interesting though is your curriculum was almost immediately approved by the state. Because it was so robust. Well, and it's funny that you asked that because I was just going back through some emails looking for somebody's name. And one of the first people that actually approved my class who doesn't work there anymore said, I am very impressed with your level of depth and detail in your curriculum. What I want, like I said, is I I don't want to teach the person who wants to sit on their phone in the back. If you want want the exact same piece of paper, you will get it someplace else with no effort. Those are not the people that I want. I don't want the person who's going to be a weekend warrior doing treatments. They're never going to get good. They're going to waste their money. They're going to waste my time. Yeah, or if you really don't know if this is for you or not, but mom and dad decided that no. here's $8,000, you know wrong school. Well, and here's the thing is when I went to college, I got my bachelor's degree. I think it was like cost my mom like $14,000. This is in the 80s. Our daughter went to ASU, got the exact same degree all in, we were at $125,000. When I went to aesthetic school, I paid $16,000. That school isn't in existence anymore. It's sad because it was a great school. So how much money do you want to spend? There are there are aesthetic schools that now that you could spend sixteen thousand, get a great education, but that's spend aesthetic. five thousand. We're not talking about laser school now. No, but it's the how same. How much things. is your laser school gonna be, Chris? You know ten grand? It's probably it's probably going to be about thirteen. Thirteen grand. Yeah. And what do they get out of that? Just um, eighty-eight hours, or what's going to happen? No, they're going to get their eighty-eight hours and something else too. Or? Well, they're going to get my mentorship on how to help you get a job, and then how to increase your income within your job. What about additional time? Are they going to get more than 88 hours? Are you going to give some extra classes like dermaplaning? Well, we'll have extra classes. We'll we'll do a microneedling class. We'll do a dermaplaning class. Well, basically all the things that I teach in combination therapy. So more like 100 hours? Is that what you're thinking? It's probably going to be close to that. I mean, if you look at the time that you spend afterwards talking on the phone, it's a lot more. But I'm just talking about class time. It's probably going to be a, a lengthier class. Okay. Your curricula... I say curricula plural, are is approved by the Arizona Department of Health Services. So yes. if they turn it in, they're going to get their certificate. Yes. But besides the certificate, they're going to learn how to do this effectively. We already know they're going to do it safely because you wouldn't let that happen any the other way. They're going to learn to do it effectively. They're going to learn how to do it profitably. And they're going to get some education and some one-on-one FaceTime with you to talk about their unique situation and also... This is how. This is what you need to do if you're going to do this. If you're going to run a med spa, you need to do this. Now, obviously, your your time's limited, so you probably what 100 hours. But they have the ability to keep in contact with you. Um, we still release podcasts and videos and things like that. Um, the money you're talking about, how does that compare to what everybody else is charging? Um, you know, it's higher than most of the schools. Is there it's, schools out there that are more? Do um, you think there is. There is. There is a couple of schools out there that are more. Do they have the level of stuff that you're talking about? I here? don't think so. Okay. Um, and, and but it's not cheap at school either, though. Huh? It's not going to be the least expensive way to get their certificate. Either. No. What about an advanced class? Are you charge charging by the day? What are your thoughts? I charge them by the day. And what do you charge today? Um, it's going to be about fifteen hundred a day per student. Per student, but then there's a minimum class size. And I there's also a maximum class time, yes. size too. Yes, but okay. I, I won't do it for one person because, quite frankly, I make more money just working on my clients at that point. Okay. How do they get a hold of you? Should they get a hold of you? Do you want their input? I want this. They think you're crazy. <laughs> how dare you charge them that much? Um, well, how dare you charge them that much? 
That's funny. Um, they can either email me at aestheticadvisor um, at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-D-I-V, no, A-D-V-I-S-O-R at gmail. Or they can call you at? Uh, she was 480 656. Is that 4881? It's your phone. I can't. Oh, it's not my cell phone. Give it's them your cell phone. Do you uh, want them to call you or not? Oh, my cell phone. Okay. Don't give it to anybody I don't like, please. Uh, 602 619 That's yes. your actual cell phone. Yes. And then... Text he, you first because you're probably with a patient. Set up a time to talk. Yeah. Don't just call because I won't be answering the phone because I'm usually teaching or I'm in a room. Uh, you could also, if you like the content of this podcast, you want to hear more, you can also reach out to me on Instagram at The Real Laser Chick. Um, so that's the real laser C H I C K. And that's my Instagram account, um, that you can leave messages, DM me, things like that. Okay. Um, we also have, uh, aesthetic based evidence, evidence based. based aesthetics on Facebook. Yeah. That's not been as active because we've spent a lot more time on the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to be honest real quickly. I'm the one that runs evidence based aesthetics on Facebook. And I'm disappointed to say that every time I'll post a lot of information. I'll get crickets, but I'll get weird things like I'm having a. I'll be selling a derma rolly for you know. If you're going to do a bunch of commercial posts, I'm not going to answer. And if everyone sort of doesn't participate, that's cool too. But I'm not going to put as much content. So I feel like this podcast has been much more useful for people, based on the number of downloads we have, oh. which is a lot. What's going to happen in our next episode? We're going to continue on about education. We're going to talk a little bit about some new specific requirements that the Arizona Department of Health Services just came out with on RF devices. If you operate a cosmetic RF devices, you must take this course. It's mandated. And as it sits right this second, your school, Chris, is the only person offering this course right now. It just got approved by um, last week. Yeah, it just got listed. It's a four to five hour course yes okay and it's gonna be how much money um the, it's gonna be what 299 well it's gonna so we're getting ce credits so if, if you're if you're doing the non-c so say you're a person who doesn't need cme it's gonna be 299 if you're a person that needs cme it's gonna be 299 and then you have to pay the cme people another 99 but it's i believe it's five hours four and a half to five hours of of actual ACCME credits. I almost have that done. I'll have that done by the next podcast coming out. Again, get a hold of Chris for that sort of thing. We are going to continue on with our series of evidence-based aesthetics. Again, we're sort of done with uh, med spa madness, but we're going to continue to talk about those topics. Uh, we focused a lot on education today, a lot laser schools. We talked a lot about Chris's laser school, but also just generically what you need and what's important. And then we're going to start delving into a couple specific things next episode. And then we're going to jump into some new technologies that are coming out, talking about the goods of them, the bads of them, uh, what the evidence says, things like plasma pens and things like that. Are they a good idea? What are they? Are they actually regulated? How do they work? Do, you know, are there good or bad things? Are there risks? We're all going to talk about microneedling devices. I'll talk a little bit about the FDA and the FDA process and just sort of sum up with what's cool and new and neat and, and sort of a device roundup. And then in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be starting a whole new podcast. Yeah. You, so your own little branch off of this one, it's going to be called what? The Broadside. The Broadside. Well, tell me about that. 
Um, well, as, as a woman in business and also in this industry, I think we have special special things that we want to talk about. Um, so this is going to be a women's debased. It's 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 going to be all podcast all female for talking about leaders and people in the aesthetics field, also, doctors all the way to just estheticians. Yep. And you guys are going to talk about women's issues, the goods health and bads issues. and ugly. I mean, even health issues that my patients ask me that I don't know the real answer to. So, you know, talking about hormones, menopause, all the things that people want to ask, but they're afraid to ask well, cool. somebody. Um, I'll and you're going to have guests on? I'm going to have guest speakers that are going to be women. So we'll have doctors, we'll have nurses, we'll have people talking about injections. Um, somebody wanted to know about um, in doing injectables, doing PDO threads. Um, basically, I may have a, a, a guy once in a while because I want that particular plastic you're gonna surgeon. You're going to pick on that person, they're going to get no, fl- no. just whipped and beat down. I'd no. be happy to come on and get beat down. Oh, you will be. Um, no, but I'm talking about it. There's some plastic surgeons here in town that, you know, like the one that did my tummy tuck. Yeah. Um, I, well, as long as they're focused on women's issues, yes. right? So it's it's for women patient issues as well as provider issues. Yes. And it's this sort of mishmash of talking about all the things that women talk about and ask about, yeah. but don't necessarily get a, a good uh, venue like this is podcast. And you're going to be talking to both patient type people yep. as well as experts, doctors, nurses, people that have been doing this for a long time. Yes. And hopefully you'll sort of like uh, sort of categorize this. Today's going to be about providers. Another one's going to be about patients. But at the same time, kind of leave it a little bit open so that uh, you'll have callers possibly call in at some point. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, and, and also women in this business or business in general, um, you know, as, as a male, you've never had a guy tell you that you – you know, some some men are the impression that because I have a vagina, I don't have the ability to see the big picture. I only see details. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, that's someone who actually said those exact, exact words, words to, to you. Me. To me and my well, CEO. CEO. To another CEO. One say, because you're female and lack that Y chromosome, that you do, are incapable of seeing the big picture. You only can only details. focus on the details. And my female COO was with me at the same time. So he said it to both of us. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me are you like i'm like dude my money my company makes more money i have more profitability lower costs and for some reason i can't see the big and you're pictures. better looking and i'm so much better looking you have no idea how much better looking it doesn't I am transmit than this on the man. podcast as well you have it? no i just trust me think of me hot almost 55 year old versus a big huge dr evil um, is a big, yeah, indeed. So it's, it's going to have a lot of different things. It's going to be called the broads side. Um, broad is B-R-A-D-S side. Um, it's going to be women talking about women's issues, business. Yeah, I'm going to be introducing your first episode on evidence-based aesthetics here, and then you're going to branch off of that. Last thing, uh, I'm doing my programming for the year coming up. I usually do it six months in advance. If anyone has any requests of what they'd like to hear on evidence-based aesthetics, you can contact Chris and give some input on that, and we will try to accommodate. Uh, We're going to be branching out a little bit, bringing in guest speakers. We're going to have a little bit of uh, live uh, call-ins here and there. And we're going to start talking about the things that you guys want to talk about, what it means to be in aesthetics, how do we use evidence uh, research, evidence-based research to help us, as well as the, the, the big three, the safety, the efficacy, and the profitability. We need to start just hammering on those things so we all get better at it, all are safer, all give better treatments, and all make more money. And, and I'm going to call that, what's up? What's up? Now, what's up?
a CP. Oh, I like it. What's up? Anyway, thank you all for listening. This was a long one. Uh, I'm guessing my uh, audio producer will cut this into segments. But I'll be seeing you shortly, and we'll get into the next series of uh, exciting things to do, all things aesthetics-based. Thank you much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast with your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. For more discussion and information on all things aesthetic, be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on our Instagram page. We look forward to sharing the next exciting episode of the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast.